shift and i'm here with beck and ryan to explore the notion that it's possible white fragility might be a personality disorder and while we are all armchair psychologists we do actually know what the fuck we're talking about so uh you know get ready for some absolutely wild discourse because we go hard on this topic uh welcome Word. How's your night? How's everything? Uh, I just sent a thousand dollars to a stranger for an Airbnb. Oh. Oh, yeah, <laughs> nice. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> oh, a little nervous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're getting back. You're getting back into the direct action game, and you are like an extreme player when you do it. <laughs> I know. Uh, Remember that time you dropped $700 to bail my ex out of a thing and then forgot about it? Mm-hmm. I think it's funny that you remember that you forgot about it. Mm-hmm. If I, if I wanted to keep that in, would you want me to keep that in? That's relevant. It certainly is because. That's the work. Shit. That's the work. That is the work. That's the work. It's the antithesis to the answer of the question that we're asking today, which is, is white fragility a personality disorder? It may be resistant to change, but it's not impossible to change. It's not impossible. Is it in some instances? Uh, well, like, yeah, I'm sure, like, probability-wise, like, you know, on certain percent of the population, it's just not possible, and but for some percent, it is, and you don't know who you're dealing with until, like, you find out. So how do we know, I guess? I mean, how do we know without I don't know. without letting <laughs> whiteness fuck everything up? Like, how do we know? I don't know. People took a chance on me to get me as, like, far along in my processing as I am, and people were harmed in the way, for sure. Ah, fair enough. People kept, like, opening their hearts back up. But yeah, um, I mean, I think Mm. a lot of times people just give up, like there's too much ego on the line and they're like, you know, getting called out or whatever is embarrassing and shameful. And you just get so caught up in your ego and your white fragility and your white guilt. And you're just like, oh, I'm such a bad person. I'm such a shit person. I just got to protect everybody from myself and hide away. And, um, but you Mm. just keep coming back and like trying again and trying really hard not to harm anybody during the process, trying to apply the lessons you learned last fucking time Um, (laughs) uh, and try not to do those same mistakes again. A lot of times you do and like, but keep take it on the chin as you said yesterday. And um, like just, I sure did. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about my, um, like feelings. It's about the goddamn problem of ending white supremacy and uh, everything that goes along with it. And so that was a big realization that just came to me in stages, like, because I was graced with it by people who told it to me like multiple times. And, um, 
you know, I was able to receive it deeper each time and like I'm continuing to process that and, and um, implement that in my life. But it, it takes a lot of confidence. Like I have to know that I'm an okay person and that I, my world doesn't shatter. And if I can admit that I can have done and will do and continue to do great harm from a position of privilege, you just can't help but cut swaths of, of harm through the world because you, there's just a lot of ways that you don't have experience of with thinking about how uh, you interact with other people. Um, and let's pause on, let's, let's stop there because yeah. that's one of those things that people get to, they get to like misinterpret it yeah. to the end of bailing out of accountability. It like yeah. it backfires altogether, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't get permission to, ju- it's not okay to just like carve swaths of harm, but it's going to be stuff that happens um, inevitably, but it doesn't, it's not okay at the same time. And you have to make it be accountable for it. And you have to uh, find ways like financially or, and uh, if you have the means and um, I've, one thing I've learned as a white person who can mask and go into the world and uh, get, good amounts of money that it's part of my responsibility in a lot of ways to go access the material like capital that I can and bring it back because that's something that not a lot of my comrades and community is able to go get because of a lot of systemic and and structural barriers and obstacles and and shit that gets thrown up in the way. But um, I can go get that shit and help bring it back. That's, uh, and be, and be accountable, actually, you know, have the resources to be accountable for the things that that I do, um, financially, uh, and also go get therapy and, and self care and figure my personal development out so that I can be accountable emotionally for the things that I do. It's my responsibility to go do those things. You missed one, Uh, one big one. And it's one that people can access like with or without resources, uh, external resources if they have the capacity internally, but you participate in white nonsense roundups. Like, yeah, like doing the work to, to help like solve the problem and make it better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Communicate. You do facilitate. I mean, generally you'll do kind of high octane community facilitation, but you specifically will take on white bullshit in some unconventional ways, according to what people expect socially. I get like in trouble. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Oh, it's hard, man, um, to keep going back to it. But I keep trying to make marshal my spiritual resources and like develop that spiritual armor that you talk about and be able back in there but like I don't know I find like a lot of other my uh fellow white anti-racist activist folks when they're calling out like white nonsense on social media and stuff they're just tend to like molly coddle and um and just really soft like hands dull like this you know, horrifying things that people are doing and like saying things like 
you know, just something to consider. Have you thought about it this way? Um, I thought mm. think what you th- mm. think, but now I've read about this horrible fact, and now I think this other thing. Just something to consider. Um, <laughs> a conversation that I had, like this, is literally a conversation I had with somebody a few months ago, um, with a, a like a white liberal, like former coworker and a, and a friend, and. Um, and she was talking about success she had had with uh, like other white people using this approach. And I was like, yeah, but you're not really like, you're kind of doing a disservice to the depth and severity of the issue at hand. It's not something to consider. Like, you know, this is genocide and lives and all this, you know, blood on at stake. And um, like, sometimes I, I, Coming from my heart, I just feel like you have to shake people up sometimes. And a lot of times it's not even for the person that you're talking to when you're pointing out mm. the the horrific like, nature of what they're saying and what's implied by what they're saying. But it might be other people that are reading it and scanning it. And a lot of times, you know, I've been called like, oh, I'm being, you know, abusive or I've never been talked to that way before in my life or whatever. And I'm not even saying mm-hmm. ridiculous out there stuff. I'm, you know, I'm just like... What what kind of shit sets people off like that? Like uh, the comment that set off, I've never been talked to that way this way before in my life was like um, somebody who was it, there was the little was a little white boy that was murdered by the black man this past summer and and it became this symbol of of anti BLM. Um, do you remember the, the the situation? Did you hear about this, Ryan? What? Where was I? When was this? I can't believe you missed it. It was all over for a few minutes. At, right after BLM started when? off again. Oh, this little white boy that was like murdered, and they caught the the guy like right away and like put him in jail, of course. And but then all of the the right wingers and the Trumpers started coming out and saying like, "Look, nobody cares about this little white boy that was killed. No, white lives not matter. Does Caden's life not matter, or whatever his name was? This poor kid, you know, becomes." symbol for white supremacy <laughs> yeah they got they got really excited because they had uh, a name to shout back like a picture of like a tragic case and it was just like it was just ridiculous and i woke up and saw some like white lady from my hometown that i had grown up commenting a story that was like you know poor so-and-so poor little kid um doesn't his life matter too or whatever and i kind of jumped on i was like wow this is racist because of such and such like don't this is i just kind of like stated it very neutrally and bluntly um and then i like just kind of left it and then i saw another post that come up a little bit later of saying the same type of thing like doubling down on it and ooh that kind of like i i think i tagged her in something else that said Oh, is this the kind of nonsense that you're on this morning? Or do you have that? You really have that hate in your heart, don't you? Question mark. And my whole hometown came after me, <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and like you're so mean, her. And now you, you're the crazy one. You're the racist one. The stuff they always like go to, uh, trying to because you put her on on some bullshit. You're like, it's like when like, you do it in public, her her and, meltdown. Oh, fuck. Yeah, she like, should be embarrassed. Yeah, she should be embarrassed. That was some racist, awful stuff. Um, and apparently she's just kind of like, didn't really know any better. It's just very awesome. Um, But that doesn't make it okay. And it doesn't make it okay that you've never been talked to that way in your life before. I didn't say anything that ridiculous. 
I was a little bit sick. And I'm (laughs) like, like, that is the kind of stuff. Yeah. Like usually, I mean, I'll just be kind of neutral to a little bit like sassy or sarcastic, like nothing (laughs) like just ridiculous. Nothing super. I mean, and sometimes, okay. So there was another situation a couple that I had gone to college with um, and the woman's mom is like a this kind of you know, school teacher type, middle Kentucky type who was pearl clutching about BLM protesters and, and, you know, window smashing or something along that lines, I'm sure. And just, you know, you just can't listen to anybody that would, uh, you know, that that's how they would express themselves. And I raised my children to be good people and you just don't do that kind of thing. And good people never break glass ever. Their ceilings are made out of them. It's important that they not break any glass. Yeah. You just, you're not supposed to, you know, rock the boat or, you know, do anything scary. And, um, and she just couldn't wrap her brain around that. Like that could just ever be excusable for any reason. Like just, you know, that's just beyond the pale, um, which is this pearl clutching stuff that'll, and at that moment I was kind of trying to share a lot of these memes that were like with that MLK quote, talking about the white liberals being the, the biggest enemy and, um, and, and other things along those lines from like black protesters, kind of talking about how uh, how frustrating it was that, um, you know, white people were only approving of the good type of black protesters and not the, the bad type of black protesters. And I was like mm-hmm. um, telling her, you know, like, do you understand that the a window versus like, this, you know, 400 years of the worst genocide that the world has ever seen and like just the, the scope and scale and just how ridiculous this comparison is. And I was, you know, I was saying about calling, I was using words like absurd. Um, and she, I, I took, I, I sat down and took, I don't know, an hour or two and wrote, paragraphs and like two pages of response to this woman. And I put it up. Mm. Um, that was after like a good, you know, a few paragraph response that she was like receiving to. And then, but, and like, but prodding a little probing a little bit more. And so I was like, okay, let me just explain the full, let me just, let me just give it to you from my heart. Everything I know, woman, here is a gift for all the shit I've learned from listening to the pain of black suffering and death for the last mm what, 10 years. Um, and, uh, and I, I felt like you know, I was shaking, you know, and, and she turns around and, and says, she never wants to talk to me again. And I was abusive and that, how could I talk? She's never, you know, this kind of, I've never been spoken to that way. How dare you speak to me that way? Pearl clutchy. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't, I was shook. Like, you know, it took me a little that I needed to talk to a mutual friend who would kind of observed it and like process around that. Um, is it's just, oh. they never appreciate that. The, d- the deeper you dig when they're like, don't tell me about this at all. The deeper you get into your lived experience. It's like when you go and you go all in, they go all out. They really don't want to hear it and then make it your problem for laying it on them. Like exactly. I mean, yeah, no, I just got called abusive mm-hmm. in public because I was essentially doing the same thing you just described where I was mm-hmm. like, this is an issue. It's like, it's not private stuff and it needs to be yeah. discussed. And I'm yeah. 
not interested in doing it in a vacuum because it's been abusive anytime it's been in a vacuum to me. Like, you know, and so I'm like, let's discuss this with memes that are posted. And like, Mm -hmm. we don't have to do the whole conversation there, but I'm going to make this comment in public and I'm going to, I'm going to tag you in it. Mm -hmm. And Yeah. yeah, people act like that's the, like for real, this person was like, I would never put any effort into a person that would talk to me this way on Twitter. Like Twitter's some sanctuary. Like, do you understand the dragging of black Twitter? (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. I'm I'm an internet personality and I have been for a couple of years. Like I, I don't have a huge following, but I have a very charged following for fuck's sake. So, um, I'm sure it was lightweight versus, you know, what could have come that person's way. Like it was nothing. It was literally, I mean, I won't say it was nothing. I was mean, but I was right. Oh, so (laughs) like there's a, there's a mean is really relative. It's super relative. Um, it's especially relative when you're dealing with like a person that you're dealing with, like you're targeting with information. They're like, you're attacking me. And I'm like, no, you're like, mm-hmm. you're like a data point. Like you they need to understand some things and I'm going to get this information to you. And I don't have sugar to coat it in for your bitch ass. I don't have that. Like, and it's not even necessarily good to coat it in it. If you do have it, that's what I'm kind of. Right. It messes with the medicine sometimes. It's people need to hear it deep and hard and it needs to wake you up on some level. Like I got reamed so many times and you just have to keep rolling and coming back and you have to let go of your ego. And it's not about us. It's not about me. What's the problem? How, what, what am I doing here? How can I do better? How, what's the big problem that I can help solve? How would, can I, what do I have leverage to, to use? Um, and just stop fearing so much. And that's what I've seen from the white radical community versus the radical communities of color that I've seen a lot more of is just mm-hmm. like just the, the urgency and the, and the, um, and the prioritization, the proper prioritization of concerns and the just, the ability to move past fear and not get caught up on the individual ego um, versus, you know, this white fragility and white guilt stuff that just, just sags and weighs us down heavily. I mean, we're just so, so afraid of being called racist. And let me dig into that a little bit and explain like partly what that's about um, is, uh, I mean, in part, something I, I think people don't necessarily understand is part of my struggle with it was that I feel like it makes me less of a good voice for change because then all the the really ignorant folks over here who are trying to, who are just starting to get the message now think I'm just another racist white person and why should they listen to me? I've got nothing to say. They don't know how to discern, like... <laughs> Oh, interesting. You know, like now I get labeled a racist white person and I lose all my social capital to attack white supremacy. This is a little bit similar. It's very different, but it's a little bit similar to my concerns about having coon media producers running all over Hollywood, making big content 
that like white people eat up, you know, it's a similar kind of like, there's this like, there's this like world of anxieties that's manifested by trying to do things perfectly. Yeah. Trying to pick the right things to consume, like the right, you know, like who to spend your money on, who to pay attention to, who to, who to put on and promote other people, give their attention to. That's what happens when we're force fed trash though. You know, it's like, you got to kind of comb through stuff and that's where we learn media literacy. But like managing that anxiety is like a big deal thing that needs to be like, we need more space for that in the world. I mean, like AA, AA is everywhere. Everybody knows where to find their local AA meetings. It's this prevalent of a, of a cultural disease. Like white anti-racist groups was kind of a thing that was booming a little bit starting a few years ago. Um, but then there came a wave of criticism and it came around was like, wow, these white people are kind of messing it up and they're unchecked. Nobody's like supervising what kind of shit they're getting up to in these bunch of white people talking about white supremacy groups. Um, maybe sure. this is a way that this should be handled. And so I and other people I know just kind of stopped like those groups just kind of died down. And I don't, I think there's, you know, still well, doing stuff, but they started thinking more about like how to make sure that they're accountable, uh, that they're being, you know, that they're, that they're doing things right. Um, I think there's a time and a place for different things. Like I was saying earlier this year in June, I heard a lot of white women that were like, let me put up the black block on my social media. And then I'm not going to talk. Yeah. Or I'm just going to lend my platform to other people exclusively. And then they would sidebar and say all the right shit that needed to be publicly said. And I had to tell all these people, I was like, would you please go make videos, comment that shit. Like, don't, you don't get to take a vow of silence through June and July right now. Yeah. That like, that, that was a big, like what they call, you know, the virtue signaling and the performative allyship and like, right. Like, let me go. It's, it's let me go have immediate ally fatigue under the guise of community care and doing the right thing. And like, yeah. it was like the, the opportunity to put that black square came up and people took that as an exit. Uh, I didn't realize that I'm doing the work. That's what I felt. I went, I experienced it a different way where I was like shamed into showing my face back up. Cause my first, like, I don't know, third post back up or something was like, you know, Hey y'all, sorry. I've been that way, but like, here I am. I had some babies. White silence is violence. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm here. (laughs) That's what's up. Uh, You know, I was getting reports on you. We weren't talking at the time. Oh, yeah. I can guess who that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you can't. I got sp- I got spies all over the place. That's, that's funny. Yeah, no, no, nobody knows where I get my information from. I get I got a bunch of people. I'll be like minding my own business, not thinking about somebody, and get calls on yeah. books like randomly yeah. that I didn't I didn't ask for any of this ever. Yeah. Like it's, it's <laughs> so like anyway. I think where I was going though with the white um, groups was that I'm trying to think about where and how is good for white anti-racist folks to talk about these sort of things. And a lot of what I hear my radical friends of color talk about is like, make friends. I get to know people, um, actually know individual people and know, don't think of us as a big collective anonymous block of oh, Jesus. Yeah. Black people or 
you know, whatever indigenous people, you know, like actually meet some people and make friends and hear it from their mouths. And I mean, the, obviously that's, I mean, that's been a big part of my path is when I started, you know, having a lot closer relationships with not just white people in my life and started, especially with like activists of color and hearing about, uh, about racism and the lived experience of it. And, you know, it was just really, you know, mind shattering. Um, but of course, I am sure I said, uh, and I know I said a lot of really ignorant and hurtful and did a lot of hurtful and ignorant things during my unlearning process and still do. Um, and, and, but, and so I think sometimes, you know, I have questions about this or that, like, how do I not be, is this racist of me? How do I not do this? Can I, how do I be a better white person? But I've learned, we you know, a short list the other day. I know, but I have to also, I have to like throttle. I can't just lay, I'd like, I, I can't take up all a bunch of emotional space with all my friends of color asking them all of this stuff about, you know, that's tokenizing and like pigeonholing people and making them representatives and making of their racial experience and making them relive racial trauma and like, explain and the frustration of explaining like, white i mean you and i just did this what a day or two ago where you were like i was like please can you just explain it to me or like don't explain this to you no i can't learn <laughs> i can't learn if you don't tell me <laughs> like let me have yeah. it <laughs> yeah well and then the tricky part was i was I was telling you at the time and you panicked because you were like, you're coming too hard. And I was like, stop squirming or I'm going to kill you right now. And you'd stop squirming immediately. And we came back around and we worked it out. I don't, know. I don't think still. I even noticed I was panicking. Maybe you sensed it in my voice and, and like, I mean, my- yeah, I, t- I assume that when people are like, I don't know when I have to be taught when I'm in the middle of teaching them that that's what's going on. I'm just going to call it that because that's what it feels like to me because I'm yeah. already done teaching you. So what's mm-hmm. the, you know, the, mm-hmm. and, um, I, I can be, uh, I can be a little loud. I can be a little loud. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I expect, I expect people to be like, shit, that's abrasive. And to need to have moments where I'm like, yeah, are you all right? I'm going to keep going. Do you need to leave? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And I, I, you know, I tend to feel like you, you, you think you lay sharper, harsher, meaner blows than you do. And cause you like keep getting boxed in by these white suburban, like, like norms that don't make sense and are just super. It just blocked me for being not polite. About like genocide or like you know yeah, you. just horrible microaggressions that are happening all the time. Like tone policing, much like <laughs> oh god. Well, I mean, I'm in a constant state of never knowing when the ground's going to drop out from under me because I surround myself with people who know how to talk the talk, and it's a matter of time before you find out if people know how to walk the walk or like how hard they trip when they are walking the walk and they trip. You got to be resilient and you got to keep walking the walk. And like, I don't know. I mean, I'm ashamed of sometimes how long it takes me to come back uh, after going away with my tail between my legs. Um, and there's spiritual injury. Wait, no, because it's real. It's real warfare and real injury does occur. And people do need to go take their space to process. And we don't always have somebody to help us like nurse back from these things. And I say us because like privilege 
like the rules of privilege engagement kind of are somewhat universal when you are dealing with somebody who's got a marginalization that you don't have. Mm-hmm. We're all human and it, I, I have to go process and I have to like lick my wounds a little bit. And like it, a lot of times sleeping on it helps me. I find like the day of something I'm shook, but then I'll have sleep on it. And the next day I'll be like, yeah, I'm yeah. All right. Whatever. Today's a new day. Like, I don't know. Um, but it, I, I've done a lot of self work and I, and I have a lot of confidence in myself and I'm just, um, have, it just, you got to get fortitude in your gut to be able to let that stuff roll off. But it's also not, it's not just an, like an option. You can't opt, you're hurting people until you do. You, it's not, you can't just opt out. Like this is a, not like a job that you can just choose to take on or not. And there's no judgment attached. Like this is the work that you have to do. Um, if you're, I have a theory privilege. that there, there's this like psych, psychology kind of like spiritual like self-help brand called the work and it's very um you know uh ally fatigue masquerading in the skin of self-care yeah 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 applied here that's what it would manifest as i had an opinion about it like a week ago Mm. because somebody was saying I'm doing the work while Mm. blocking me for calling them white when they were doing something I thought would be reasonable to call them white about. Um, White fertility, man. It's a, it's a thing. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So the, like, yeah, that is something I saw a lot in the, um, in the radical community in the white radical community was like just really relaxing into the, well, I'm just going to focus on healing for now. Like, mm. okay. Yeah. Go. Uh, yeah. We're trauma informed. We understand you got to go, you know, figure out some trauma and like, you know, fix yourself, like come back sturdier. But like I have seen myself and, and other people definitely like lean into that varying degrees of too hard, like, yeah, it gets a little self-indulgent after a while. And I don't know, my guilt starts to eat at me. That's what happened this last time. I, I see all this like Black Lives Matter stuff like going on again. And I'm just sitting around like not saying shit most days about anything about oppression. And I'm just living my comfortable life. And like, yeah, I'm, you know, I've been doing some healing. I'm settled down and settling down from some trauma and cooling out and had a you know baby or two and <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, like, but I could, I felt like in my heart, I leaned into it, you know, too much. I was, I was getting some self-indulgency there. And I'm, I'm going to tend to agree with you. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you were like, you know, one of the, uh, primary people harmed by it. Um, and how, yeah. And we'll be getting into that another time. Yeah. That's actually, I do want to mention in the middle of all of this conversating, we did have a falling out. We were not talking for like a year. We've reconnected directly addressed all the ins and outs of the whys and why fours of exactly why we stopped when we did with the talking. Um, (laughs) The reason I want to mention that is because like we both are really good at uh, being present and like dealing with what's at hand kind of shit. Like that's just how we operate. And um, 
I just don't see that represented in like how relationship dynamics show up in any narratives that exist in the world. I don't, I just don't see it. Not except in my life, like except in my actual life. So I'm like, I got to produce things and actually like find like there's, there's plenty of ways that I'm going to show this stuff, like this weird way that I uh, curate relationships and then we're going to get into it. We're going to address it, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't impede the ability to reform relationship and yeah, yeah we're, rebuilding. It's, we're not in we're not in denial about it or, or like putting it off either we address things when they need to come up we're rebuilding your trust and rapport and we'll have a better conversation after we like get kind of close back up to each other more again like yeah that's what i think i mean that's i mean i would be happy to have a conversation about anything whenever anytime you want but like i, I totally am fine and see the point in, um, you know, in you wanting to just hold off on that for a, a minute. Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, yeah, like, I don't know. I think I, I was really graced to have you open your heart back up to me and was, and I think it, it was, it, it was a little, t- tenser and it's less tense now it was tenser at first i also agree with you about all of that shit yeah Yeah, i was was, uh, not open to that shit and it was a trepidatious re-entry on my own i think we're closer now i feel than i than we've ever been and you like were there for the birth of my two children and were a housemate and have been through uh many years of a lot of intense stuff with me and i think um just being able to come back together and um bring back, bring to the table now things that you, that I learned that, that you told me during the process of when I was hurting you, um, that I never forgot about. And I've been, you know, working on trying to do better about, um, and, uh, I, like, gosh, what a chance to be a better person. What, a, what a great feeling. What a, what an amazing chance just that, that I've been given, um, and I feel so much closer to you now and that we've been able to support each other through this COVID situation, like almost you know, every day, like, all day. <laughs> this is yeah, such a beautiful thing. Yeah, and, we didn't reconnect until kind of deep into the, you know, I guess looking at the whole thing as of now, like a little over halfway through. When we were yeah, just toward the latter ten of things the last few months, and it's been really good for me. I really needed that, but I, you know, I, 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 it's not can't say, oh, I deserved it. Where before, where was that for me? Like I'm the one that that broke that and lost it, and was fortunate enough to regain to regain it. Um, so, but yeah, no, I feel like it's cool because now like part of what you told me before was that I didn't tell my full truth to you before and I was bottling it up until, and what I did was that I bottled it up until it was like too much. And then I cracked and was very Mm. hurtful. And, um, but that I wasn't, that I wasn't being an authentic, fully real person with you and was, you know, 
holding back about, uh, about things. And, um, I'm trying not to do that now. And even if something I feel like might like hurt you or offend you, I'm trying to find a way that's like caring. I mean, I know God how to do this. You find a caring, loving way to ask a person to about if they want to talk about such and such difficult topic and you present it in a loving and caring way. (laughs) And how that's, we should write a book about it for dummies. That's all that'll be in it. Gosh. Well, so, so, yeah, I mean, it, it really is just a world full of nuance and intersection, and there's a lot more going on than, you know, I don't know. It's just people find easy opportunities to bail on shit. Like, it's really, you know, we we really did go through a whole number of things, and... You know, it's all it's all been logical. That's what I'll say for now. We'll get into the details of it in a whole other episode. Because one thing that I want to get into is when one of the things that's been priority has been uh, you've actually been doing a lot of uh, energetic repayment for like the what is the experience of stuff. And one of the thing you got you got to breaking down. Um. I was having a hard time understanding the notion of how a motherfucker might be uh, overtly marginalizing and horrible and then somehow find a way to play victim and and do all kinds of weird projecting things. And I just couldn't do the math of all of this. And you you did a few things to kind of like help me structure what the thought process of somebody mm. that way might be thinking Uh, And one of the things that you brought up was like, like, how do you love people when you're constantly trying to protect them from your privilege? Yes. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's it. In the last decade of my life or so, I've I've kind of intentionally come into relationship with people from uh, a lot of positionalities that are with a lot less privilege than than me. Um, and have really kind of had my eyes peeled open and come out of my lily white world to see some, some stuff. And, but I, because we were doing the same things and, and had the same goals and rubbing up shoulders and living together and running in the streets together became friends. And, um, and, you know, here I am working side by side and living side by side with people who, you know, who, you know, I asked my partner, how many of your friends, you know, have been, have, have been killed or died? You know, I lost count, you know, like, I don't even know. I've just lost, lost count, like way too many to count. (laughs) Just, um, just the depth of other people's realities that are living side by side by me in the same city um, or, you know, or friends coming from war zones and, or in revolutions and the depth of loss of life. And, and how do I be, be a, a friend and talk about my life and share myself as a human when my ex- lived experience is just like, you know, I might be stressed because, you know, my car broke down or some, you know, whatever, some problem, my, partner was rude or, you know, my boss was rude. And, you know, my, you know, my friend is, 
is sad because nobody remembered that it was the anniversary of their be- their like best friend's death in the war, and like, they can't sleep and eat. <laughs> like, like, how do I, you know, I have to go through the process in my head of thinking, like, you know, how do I show up and relate and be an authentic person? Um, what what does this person want from me? What do they need from me? What do I have to offer them? Like, mm. is it just to sit there and and let somebody process pain, um, support, give material, you know, resources. Do that, you know, do, do I, I have to make sure I'm not like trying to solve their problem with my white solutions. Have you tried therapy? Have you tried meditation? Mm-hmm. Have you tried yoga? Have you tried herbs? <laughs> like, you know, all we the things know. that I tried. You actually, you got me into herbs. Cause I was thinking about when we were living together at first, I was having terrible panic attacks. Like, all day life consuming panic attacks um, that nobody, they were totally masked. Like nobody could tell, but they were just happening all the time. And I was thinking about getting on anxiety meds of some kind. And you were like, have you ever fucked with Kava? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, but that sounds like some expensive ass fuckery. And you got mm-hmm. me Kava and you supplied my Kava for a long <laughs> time until I was trying to own it. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah, but, I mean herbs are herbs are great, but like also not everybody's in the space where they really want to hear about herbs right then. And like you know, sometimes they are, and sometimes they are. You know, it's kind of arrogant of me to if I don't have the funds to help somebody with that. Did you be like, have you tried herbs? Yeah, it's uh, fifty dollars a bottle. But um, yeah, I hadn't really thought about you don't have the money for that shit. Sorry. I mean, I've done that kind of thing a lot with friends. You know, where I've tried to float a, a suggestion, and then I realize that it's something like vastly inexpensive accessible to them. And I'm, you know, I want to kick myself and, but I just, you know, a lot of times I think white people will just shut down and privileged people will just shut down and like not want to be friends with that person anymore because, Oh, I feel bad. I might've made them feel bad. I'll just pull back. And like, I did that. I've done that. I've seen myself do that, you know, cause you don't want to be the person who's hurting the other person. Um, but like, then it's really you're just repeating white supremacy because then you're just another white person who's like self-isolating from people different from you because you're getting in in your because you're worrying about your own self and your own you know fragility and your ego and like they'll let you know like or try you know try to read between the lines like read you know read people's communication if you're hurting them like and you can ask people don't take up hell space like probing into their you know state but like just God, just have a regular human like relationship. And this is the kind of stuff I've had to tell myself, you know, over, over time. Um, like don't psych myself out and get all weird and like, okay, so here was a, here was an example. Um, like we were, I started this queer house, communal house, and it was, in a in the hood in Oakland and it was all like white people at first, like white, white queers. Um, and then I realized like, Oh God, we're being gentrifiers. We should get more people of color in here. Um, so we having a few, trying to get a few people of color in the house and like, we're like strategizing, well, how do we get more people of color? How do we get actual like black people? Cause this is a like <laughs> neighborhood. <laughs> and then we're like looking around at each other awkwardly, like, is this racist? Like, is it like, <laughs> Where do we start? <laughs> like, Wait, okay? How, how long was that conversation was it before I showed the fuck up? 
I think that was the pro the, the conversation that went into the ad that brought you. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Cause I showed up and I was like, this is low key. A racist <laughs> ass trying, house. I love it here. Trying to get more people of color. Of course we were like, you know, <laughs> but, um, but like I talked to my partner at the time who was black and from that neighborhood and area and or neighboring area or whatever. And was like, uh, well, Fuck it. You got to start somewhere. Why are you getting so right. up in how you're in appearances? All right. So what? If that person, if somebody feels tokenized, then, you know, they don't have to move in, but you got to start somewhere. Stop getting cut up in this stupid, like appearances bullshit and just like start offering spots to black people. <laughs> right. Um, but there was a lot of hand wringing, you know, and like, are we going to be, are we doing it right? Are we doing it wrong? Are we going to tokenize or just what, what are we tokenizing if we do this, but are we being exclusive if we do that? And like, you know, like we just overthink our analysis and anxiety is a useful tool if, if people use it like a tool, but it's like a chainsaw. That yeah, just works on on its own. In action, we don't act like we just get frozen and just stick, and it makes us uncomfortable, and we just stop and then just back off and just do something else. Like <laughs> just don't yeah. lean into it and just lean away and like shrink back and tuck our tails and like, go back among people that we feel more comfortable around that don't make us feel that way. But I genuinely I feel like it's helpful in life to consider spiritual armors. Can just think yeah. of things as potentially spiritual warfare or like some kind of field of play in that fashion. Yeah. Like, if it's not uncomfortable, it's not, you're, you're not doing it right. And like people say that and they think they know what that means. But then when they get really uncomfortable, they're like, no, no, this is too uncomfortable. This is too uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> you know? And Okay. Like it's too uncomfortable for a little while. Okay. Like, okay. Tap out and come back though. Like tap out and come back though. Do the, you know, do some thinking about it and like, like, and stop and make, make the harm better and stop doing the harm and, um, and put a smile on your fucking face. Cause you learned a lesson and you're not going to be that asshole anymore. Thank goodness. Like hopefully, you know, like, <laughs> cognitive behavioral therapy for myself, you know, like telling myself like, no, it's not, I, I'm thinking of it like that, but it's not really, that's not really, that's distorted thinking. Like it's not really like that. Like, <laughs> Think of it like this instead and just have to keep mm. my, my lens on things and being like, hmm, what would my friends that have taught me a bunch of stuff about the world think about this? Hmm, let me, because I can do that now. I've gotten enough, like, I mean, I can't say I can do it perfectly, but I can, I can be like, hmm, what would my friend so-and-so, what would my ex so-and-so, what would my, you know, former housemate so-and-so say about that? Hmm, well, let me think about it. So, okay, let me give a situation where that came into play. Um, last summer, the protests were going on and um, uh, somebody in my employee was like, uh, you know, I want to go support, but I then can't, come safely into your home because I might be exposed to COVID, but I want to go do this. I understand if you're not, you, uh, if you're not going to pay, if you, you know, if you don't pay me, uh, for that time, um, for while I have to stay away. And then I was like, Hmm, let me think about that. And I thought, Ooh, and my gut reaction was like, my greedy white reaction was like, Ooh, here's a good opportunity to save 500 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then I was like, okay, what, would, what would you have said? What, what would my, oh. what would so-and-so have said? Like, uh, look at me with a, like a, a deadpan, like idiot face and be like, are you serious? Pay, pay her, <laughs> let her go. Oh, to the- yeah. I have consternation <laughs> face right now at the notion <laughs> I know, right? I was and, and yeah. it like twenty minutes to think about it, and then I was like, "No, I I know better. I know better. I learned better. Don't be that bitch. Don't be that bitch. Don't be that white bitch. Don't don't you know better? Who? What are you thinking? Who are you? Mm. <laughs> How long are your convictions? How deep are your convictions, Rebecca? Um, did you mean it when you said all those things? So yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I did the right thing and then I felt better. <laughs> like white guilt can, you know, the people always want to like, like white racists want to mock white activists, white anti-racist activists. Like, oh, you just have white guilt. You just have white guilt. And I've, I just have to keep coming back to again and again. It's like, you know, we should be fucking guilty for what we did. It's horrible. And what we do, we do horrible things. I mean, did horrible things and the problem is when we get hung up on it and we can't move past it. And it's all about our egos and we just, God, it's really, that's really what a lot of what the problem is. We just get really hung up on, on appearances, on our egos and being embarrassed because we've tried so hard to be the good white people. And then all of a sudden we're the bad white people. <laughs> it's, embarrassing. it's so embarrassing. Shift. <laughs> <laughs> And there's very few times in life when I have to deal with embarrassment like that anymore. I had to come out of being a fundamentalist evangelical Like I had to come back. I still have to. I just said it to like a world of people. That's actually the first time I've said on this podcast. Like I wasn't going to just put your finger on it. But. Yeah, I mean, why the fuck not? That's what I was doing with the weird cult I was in, was proselytizing the gospel as a fucking name. So I don't really, I think I just maybe don't have room for people's weird embarrassment shit, you know? I was a teenager for that shit, too. And you shouldn't. No, it's, 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 it's appalling when you think about it. And you know, like, I just, I... I force myself to scroll Facebook and, and, and be reminded of like images of genocide and, and slaughter. Cause I'm like, I'm like, yeah, get out of touch. <laughs> and I got to get back in touch with reality here. I'm getting wrapped up in my white nonsense. And, um, it's so easy to just go off into la la land and, and just go, just think about comfortable things. We set it up so that it's really yeah. easy to. I have a lot of people that come at me, uh, with concern, quote unquote, they're concerned about me. I don't know what that means in general, but they are concerned about me when they say that I need to throttle like all information like that, like looking up, you know, just knowing what, and I don't, I don't binge eat it, but I don't know how people are supposed to get calibrated to what's actually happening. If you don't look at this stuff. There's a thing that I saw last summer that called spiritual bypassing that made me really think um, it's a type of, of a white uh, fragility that's like, I'm too sensitive a soul to watch the news and I'm too sensitive a soul to hear about these horrible things. Um, and so I'm just going to, I absolve myself from having to engage with it. And I've been guilty of that 
Like, I mean, to a certain extent, yeah, sure. We're all, you know, human and we have to maintain our psychological health and we can't be, you know, doom scrolling 24 seven because it's, it's going to burn everybody, anybody out. But like, you can't just stick your head in the sand either. And like, I, you know, I've been guilty of, I feel like, like I was saying, like stepping away for too long and not looking at it for too long like literally not looking at Facebook for too long. I mean, fuck Facebook, but that's where I get my dose of reality. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a, I'm a silly jerk, but, um, there's other places to get content, but Facebook and Instagram have taken up. I don't know that it's that people are actually going to Facebook as it is that Facebook has moved into them and possessed them as a community and in order to be part of community properly, you kind of have to just deal with the Facebook of it all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The question you kind of started off with a while back about being mean to people on social media, quote unquote, and like the fallout from that and the interaction that I had, those kind of interactions that I had with the mom or those various people, like the, the, the former you know, high school classmate person, those people might have shut down and not listened to me, but that stuff might work on them, you know, on some level deep down. It may or may not. They may feel shame burn. And I mean, I know they're, they're religious people and they may have some like, actual depth of conviction. They may actually, you know, confront some stuff, but that's, but if, even if they don't, other people came to me that out of the woodwork that like barely knew me, you know, these days or knew me from way back in the day or barely knew me at all, but were just from my hometown and just like added me as friends and wanted to chat and like, were thought that was cool. And were like, yeah, don't stress about that. <laughs> you are right. You know, <laughs> that was, was, that was awesome. You know, and, and it's, like diversity of tactics, man, that stuff, it turns some people off, but it turns some people the fuck on. It, it, it shakes people to the core sometimes. Like it took me, it took some graphic realizations to get me to awaken to the reality of things. Like I went through all of a PhD program, um, then learning about oppression and didn't understand really jack shit about it until I started like seeing it up front in my face and like, um, being confronted with uncomfortable and, beyond um situations um but yeah like i think you know it i've okay so my own grandma my own grandmother my only living grandparent is now no longer my facebook friend because i lashed out at her about some like you know thin blue line type of nonsense um and was oh my i like i wasn't even like i wasn't abusive i was like i said this is racist and i said i'm i i I hate that you would post something like that and that you would have that hate in your heart and don't you understand you know why this is wrong yada yada a few things and this is not what the the values that you taught me and that i learned in sunday school with you when i was a little kid and jesus and you know and love and um and and justice and she blocked me. Mm. Um, and she's like, well, you know, well. late nineties, maybe. I don't know. She's way up there like, and in Kentucky and like, probably will never see me again. Like maybe, you know, 
was ready to just that relationship off because I was, and then my aunt I saw, like I have Facebook purity so I can tell when people un- unfriend me and my aunt believed me too. <laughs> like I was just like, mm. wow, this, the fragility to cut off your own grandchild because they called you out publicly on Facebook about something that was racist in a loving, but firm way. Like mm. reading into the lines that I'm like calling them horrible names and like calling them a shit human being that doesn't deserve to live or something like they act like it. I mean, they act like, it. like being called racist is being called <laughs> just like, like they think racist means KKK N word shouting. Yeah. And how I mean, dare they be associated. So the, the thing with like oppressor types is they don't like being called the thing that they would just be if they were just a demographic or something yeah. like, but I just like, I, since we were just talking about Facebook and the prevalence of them, uh, good morning. Mayberry does not have a store presence on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, not for lack of trying. I spent many hours putting it together, but we've been rejected from the storefront because we do not fit into their community standards. And the only designs I have on there are also available on our store. Uh, and it's just marginalized centrists is the only thing besides the Good Morning Mayberry logo available on anything. But somehow I got a sense. I was like, I feel like Facebook is completely occupied by centrists. That's the entire, you know, at least 99.99% of the staff. Um, and they're probably seeing the word marginalized to mean murder because that's what they're okay with. <laughs> I mean, you know, we got to kind of wrap things up. Like Ryan has been chilling here while we've been, I, I asked him to join us because we just have such bizarre and interesting conversations about this stuff. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't speak up a little bit more. I just wanted to hold space for this conversation. Like, cause there was a lot to process and move and unpack here. And also I know you guys have a history. So I was also gathering context clues um, based on uh, what was shared. And I've, I've also taken notice that like anti-racism is trending and people are excited about the ways they can promote themselves that way. Uh, if they, there's a, there's a fear of missing out when the climate is charged and the cool people are, uh, it's it's kind of it's sensationalized. It's, uh, when fo- when FOMO is applied at all to situations that involve real experiences and like death, because a lot of the time there's so much to be talking about that it gets it just gets convoluted. Like the whole conversation goes wherever anybody wants to drag it. But the bottom line is, is like at all times I'm contending with this issue where like my fear of actually being killed has to be in contest with somebody's mood because they're there because they feel sad or bummed about not having a story to tell and not having an involvement that I don't know. They get, I'm flashing to uh, the boondocks episode where they get into it with granddad about whether or not he was actually there getting hosed down by fire hoses and chased Um, by dogs. Yes. Yeah. People just need to show up, but then also they need to get out of the way. But then also it's a lot of nuance to juggle, and I don't know what to say. They they want to be able 
they need to be able to, when they're asked about it in the future, they don't want to tell the story where they weren't in the middle of it all um, doing what history will see as the right thing. Mm. But in the moment, they want to find the easiest way to do it, the most Mm. common way to do it. Yes. Yep. That was it. So when you ask granddad what he was doing, he'll tell you he was actually sitting next to Rosa Parks and he started a fight with the bus driver and, uh, and his dick was better than Martin Luther King's and, (laughs) and, you know, he, he goes ham and that's when Kiwi and Riley are like, yeah, I don't fucking think so. Right. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, when they try to make up an experience, Either to project, you know, or like, I think the dip, I think the distinction, like the thing that works or doesn't work. And this is something that people have different levels of bandwidth to apply or not. It's not something that like some people are better at it inherently than others, but it tends to fluctuate in all of us. But being able to just be willing to, to like hear about your bullshit and adapt. I took drums from this dude that had this one tip that I've applied universally in a bunch of different ways in my life. Uh, if you're going to make a mistake, make it loud so you know what you did wrong. And that's cool so long as you're in a space where you're like, I'm in class mode and I'm a student and when I make a mistake, I'm going to learn from that. There's like a tarp down to just grab up the mess. Like There's mats on the floor. Yeah, yeah, have the room prepared a bit. That's that spiritual warfare concept. Like, you just kind of psychologically consider what kind of mess is going to happen and account for that and try to talk about it, communicate that shit. We're working with data. Stay in a stay in a space of, like, a adaptability and heal as needed. But, like, I don't, I don't know how we're... We're going to have to do a whole episode addressing white people and self-care... Like, it's not self-care. They skin self-care. They hang it up and they rip its skin off and they wear it when they are really ally fatigue coming on too soon. Ally fatigue is always too soon. I'm going to just say it like that. It's always too soon. Anyway, I don't know. We'll, We'll be coming back to all of this subject matter in so many other episodes. But I feel like um, the conclusion is that white fragility is a personality disorder, but that there are lots of treatment potentials that mostly involve just, like, not being a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well said. (laughs) Just trying to, you know summarize everything Basic human decency and respect kind of stuff yeah we'd like to thank our patrons on patreon and everyone who's bought our merchandise find the links to all that stuff and our social links on goodmorningmayberry.com we've got closed captioned episodes on youtube subscribe listen and rate us on all the podcast spots if you're wondering who we are we is me and my demons and you can join the legion by following our tumblr twitter or instagram jumping on the patreon Or just buying one of our shirts and wearing that around. Drinking the tears of whoever you like the least uh, out of one of our mugs. And uh, coming back and checking out the next episode. I'm Shift.
And always remember to never forget. When you ask granddad what he was doing, he'll tell you he was actually sitting next to Rosa Parks and he started a fight with the bus driver and his dick was better than Martin Luther King's. And, <laughs> and you know, he goes ham. And that's when Q and Riley are like, yeah, I don't fucking think so. Right.